Welcome to the Wisdom of Madness with Rasuli and Jesh Darox. Two friends from different worlds discuss the beauty and mystery of creativity. I am the source of everything that I experience. And that's a really tricky thing because it looks like you do things and she does things and he does things and all these people do all these things. And it's true that they do those things, but I'm always the one who decides what they mean. And what they mean is the most impactful thing, not what they do. Two people can have the exact same thing happen to them and to one it just crushes them and it turns them into a bowl of oatmeal and to another it raises up something powerful in them that challenges an entire system. I've known of that concept for a long time, but it just, it hit a deeper level in me. I belong to myself. Finally, after all of these years, I'm going to turn 40 this year. I finally belong to myself. I don't belong to other people. I'm not in servitude to other people. I can interact with other people and I can give to other people. But if I do, it's because I choose to and not because I need anything from them. This sentence came to me and I want to share it with you and see where that takes us. Babies don't choose who to spend time with at all. They have no ability to choose who to spend time with. They're subject to the people who are surrounding them. And then children spend time with those who meet their needs. So a child will want to go play, but the second that they're hurt, they cry out for mommy. And then adults, theoretically at least, spend time with people who can help them grow or help them create things that they want to create. And those three kind of mentalities really stood out to me because even though I'm saying baby, child, adult, their mental states, from that definition, I think most people on the planet are really in the first state of the baby state where they're not even choosing who to spend time with. They're just defaulting to whoever happens to be around them. And sometimes they're happy about that and sometimes they're furious about that, but they don't do anything about it. And then there's that next stage of child, you know, who, okay, they've moved away from one situation, but now they're in another one. And really what they're wanting from these other people is to have their needs met. That's what they want in the partnership. Give me my needs, give me my needs, give me my needs, my friends, give me my needs. And I know both of those states really well because I've spent almost these entire 40 years in one of those two states. I left the first state at some time, but I've spent a lot of the last years in the second state, thinking I was an adult, but still mostly looking to everybody else around me to meet my needs. And I think I'm moving into this third stage now of I only want to be with those who know secrets or else alone. That's Rilke. And he's saying, give me the thing that will turn my spirit on. Give me the thing that will make my brain blossom. Give me the thing that will send electricity through my body. That's all I want from somebody. And if they don't have that, leave me alone because I can find that in my own explorations by myself. How do you design something that gives you a direction to follow and gives you limitation? That is when the artist reaches that high level of recognizing that, yes, I even have the capability, just like Gauguin said, says, I create, therefore I am God. Mm. You reach to that point that you say, you know, I create, Therefore, you're God. As God, we decide to be the God that we want to be, not the God that has been told us. You mentioned there's a journey that takes place. 
And that journey takes place in total freedom, entering into limitations that you're going to deal with. That's where the design comes into the picture, because you have to fit the energy into the limitations. You began to take that step, which is a very valuable step for people to recognize when they take that step. That means that you have no attachment to your surrounding. Yes. That's the important thing, recognizing that you have no attachment to that surrounding. You fit it into it Mm -hmm. without attachment. Mm -hmm. They follow you. You don't follow them. Mm -hmm. So what you're describing is taking that next journey, that level. When I did architecture, I never looked at requirements. I didn't even care. I remember one time, it was the Halloween time, and I had a project to do. It was an office building, and I liked the pumpkin. And I thought, you know what? I want to make the pumpkin the office building. This is where your limitation comes into the picture. Yeah. Now, a pumpkin is going to stand on something, so it needs a foundation. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. It's going to have whatever the whole concept is. The great artists, the great designers are the ones who use their total freedom to the expanse that they cannot even imagine that I have that unlimited space to expand. Yes. Total freedom to expand. Now that you have expanded and expanded and expanded, it's time to bring it into the form. I think maybe it was three days ago in the morning, I probably had the most creative morning of my life, which is saying a lot because I've had a few creative mornings. This was unlike anything I'd seen. I was up maybe at 5.30 and from like 5.30 to 11.30, I was just gone. And it was coming in so fast, so hard that my entire system was rearranging. And there's this really interesting, this quote from this guy named James, who was one of the apostles of Jesus. He said that you can pray amiss. And he's basically suggesting that you can pray wrong. Your prayer was the wrong prayer to pray. And that was always a really fascinating concept to me. It's usually when people pray, they just think, what do I want? And then they quote unquote, ask God, and then God's supposed to give them this prayer. But James says, be careful because you can actually pray amiss. That was an interesting concept. Well, if you can pray amiss, if he's correct about that, which I'm going to assume he is for the sake of conversation, that means that some prayers are the right prayers to pray and some prayers are the wrong prayers to pray. And then I thought, It may be that all true prayers, all right prayers, are already answered then. They're already answered. And the praying of it just gives you like this key, as if you had a safety deposit box somewhere where all the true prayers are already answered. And then by praying it, you get this key, and then you unlock it, and this this thing is already yours. I think that really kind of, for me, connects to this idea of which piece of us is the piece that's praying and why, connected to what I was saying earlier about this baby that all they want is just to be fed. Then there's these advanced stages where you start wanting different things. I think a lot of the quote-unquote prayers are coming from these places that... I mean, I even was writing recently about how, thank God, most prayers aren't answered. It's probably out of sheer mercy that most prayers are not answered because as a species, the things that we want... (laughs) very rarely seem to actually be the healthiest thing for us. So it's probably this massive divine mercy, you know, that most of them get ignored. At this stage of my journey, when I say God, I'm not thinking of some guy with a long beard up there. (laughs) There's nothing better to do after creating the entire cosmos 
been sitting on his couch somewhere <laughs> listening to requests coming in. Or getting pissed off. Or getting mad or saying, Jordan didn't read his Bible today. Send the devils. But then this last week, a different interpretation of that came. And it was, maybe you can pray amiss because you're asking the wrong person. And so most prayers are usually, Dear God, Jordan's not being nice to me. Please make Jordan nice to me. And I believe free will is the most powerful thing in the universe because free will can be used to deny love. And so if something can be used to deny love in a certain way of looking at it, you could say it's even more powerful than love. In that context, I think that to pray something that somebody else will do something that's against their free will is a violation of them and could never be a true prayer. No true being who answers prayers would ever do that one because it's a violation. And so it reminded me of this other thing I heard, which I really loved, which I know we've talked about a little bit, but it was don't pray for your problems to go away. Pray for the strength to overcome your problems. And that's such a more brilliant prayer. It's so much more brilliant. And connected to what I'm saying now, where I was kind of going with this was maybe the true prayer is don't change Jordan. Give me the wisdom to deal with this situation better. Give me the patience to deal with this better. Give me the strength to separate myself from this situation if that's what's, what's required. But when I'm asking Jordan to change, it's like I'm quote unquote praying amiss. But then when I ask myself to be the one that changes, that's the true prayer. That's the one that doesn't miss because that's not in violation of anyone's free will. And in fact, it's in respect of the free will. It's in the respect of what you mentioned earlier, which is the divine creative spark. Because even somebody who believes in a God up there somewhere who answers prayers, when they pray, where is it heard? Who else hears it? They usually say it in their mind. So nobody hears it, just them. And then when it's answered and they do, they get a sense of peace. Where does that peace come from? Also inside. And Jesus even said that. He's like, the kingdom of God is inside you. And then years later, it's like, Jesus is in your heart. Where is that located physically? Literally inside of you. So even if you like the concept of this large being that answers prayers, it's still the praying goes in and the answer comes from within, both sides. So at the least, you have to agree that the body is the conduit for those things both ways. So maybe praying amiss means we're directing our attention outward onto these other people and wanting things outside of us to change instead of recognizing that if I pray for myself to be different, that's the kind of a prayer that can actually be answered because it's not in violation of anyone or anything. And in fact, I have the right to ask myself, Jesh, be different than you have been. Become a new thing, change. And then I can answer myself from a deeper place in representation of the creative energy, the godlike energy and say, yes. A prayer that I enjoy the most is a prayer by Hafez who says, God, make me the neediest of the pools. If you want to have a prayer, become a blank paper. If you want to pray to God, don't pray for receiving something. Pray to God to take away from you. Oh God, make me long for something so I can bring the God from within me out. I'm supposed to be creative. I'm supposed to be you. 
So in order for me to be you is to ask you to take away the things that stops me from being you. Mm. That's the prayer. God is not sitting to give me a better property than my neighbors. <laughs> I think prayer should be directed toward asking God to leave doors open for you, to take away from what prevents the door to be open. God, help me to see better. God, help me to accept better. God helped me to long more. God helped me to be able to stand in the challenges that you bring me and be stronger as your challenges become stronger. So prayer should be for when we feel like we're losing our joy of life. God has created us to enjoy life. And if we're losing it, then we're going the wrong way. I remember in the processing of uh, an old relationship that I had, a romantic relationship, I wrote this list down of everything I was really mad at this person about. She did this wrong, she did this wrong, couldn't stand how she did this and this and this and this. It was a long list. (laughs) (laughs) I was very angry when I wrote it down. I was very hurt when I wrote it down. And I looked at it later from a different place. And I looked at this list and I was like, this list actually pretty perfectly describes this person. And I had this strange epiphany, which was that I was mad at her for being herself. That's what I was so mad about. When that dawned on me, I was like, oh my God, what an idiot. How ridiculous to be furious at someone for being who they are. And it would be like picking up a rock and then taking a big bite out of it when you're really hungry. It hurts your teeth and it scrapes your lips mm-hmm. and there's blood. Then you throw down the rock and you create this list of all the things about the rock that you hate, including it doesn't taste good. It broke my lip. There was blood everywhere, this horrible rock. And it's like, no, honestly, that was just the nature of the rock. It's deeply connected to what I'm experiencing right now so much, which is at the time I was so focused on all the things that the rock was not that I wanted it to be that I really did not see what my role was in that hard experience. It's so easy in that experience to say, well, I didn't cut my mouth. That was the rock. The rock cut my mouth. I would never have cut my own mouth. The most important decisions we make are who we decide to allow in our lives, who we decide to interact with, and what they're bringing to the table. Because we mirror so strongly. We become so influenced and affected by the people in in our life. And in that particular situation, it took me a long time to figure out how to really set that down and understand it. And to be honest, I didn't even understand it until like years afterwards. But I saw later, you know, it's like I decided to be a part of that. I decided to pick up that rock. I was the one who brought that into my life and that was my role. And now I'm basically just looking at every single thing I experience. And as a practice, I'm really paying attention to what I'm deciding about all of these things. That's my power. That's in my ability. Prayer is very important. It's not about a religious act. It's about a communion with yourself from within. That communion should be more towards helping you to become more powerful. Yes. My prayer is, God, bring me more challenges. That's what I'm looking for. 
Challenges have a great advantage for me. Number one, prevents me from getting bored. <laughs> and number two, it's a challenge. It's not a problem. If it's a challenge, I got to face it. If it's a problem, I got to solve it. A challenge is exciting. A day without a challenge is worth nothing. There's no excitement to it. So ask God to give you challenge. Pray to God to give you challenge, not problems. <laughs> more challenges we're capable of facing, more challenges comes our way, and we develop identity for ourselves in those challenges, and that identity is what makes us being somebody valuable. Let's bring more challenges in our life. I like what you were saying earlier about how you end up designating what something is. I'm seeing that there's either these two ways to look at it all. You can either be this victim who just all this stuff happens to, the baby, all the things happen to, or you can be the one who's deciding what it all is. What's the fundamental story of God? It's that in the beginning, there was nothing and the world was dark and without form. And then God said, let there be light. So what you're talking to me about, about this, give me challenges. In a certain way, what I'm hearing is like, give me darkness. Give me without form and void. So then you get to practice being God. Because if you're just given a bunch of light all of the time, and it's finished, and it's like, here's the world, you're welcome. How can you ever become godlike? Exactly. The moment you're a consumer, you're out of being God. Exactly. And when you're out of being God, it's going to be the opposite of God, which is... <laughs> Devil. <laughs> that explains Walmart really well. Actually. So, <laughs> consumership is good when it would solve my problem so I can deal with my challenges. Consumership is good for the things that you need as necessities for life, like food, like shelter, like whatever. But beyond that, it prevents you from facing your challenges. Stay with the basics and be content with it so you could receive the enjoyment of life, which is facing the challenges that makes you feel alive. Otherwise, what's the use of living? To wake up, eat, go to bathroom, <laughs> sleep? What is the use of that? Anything in this planet Earth has some kind of a value. And we, as the greatest creatures that God has created on this planet, don't recognize that. So let's develop these prayers more and more and ask God to make you as you were supposed to be, as you were created to be. So take away consumership attention. All I need is the basics. Why do I need to have a gold watch when I can read the time on my regular watch? I want to have a gold watch. I got to go through the problems with that. And with it comes all kinds of other hassle and problems. So my challenge becomes hassles and problems. Yeah, going back to this thing of free will being so powerful in the shaping of our lives... And that really being fundamental godlike powers to decide, to choose. These prayers we're praying are often very consumer-minded. Dear God, please give me this. It's that baby mode I was talking about. Dear God, please send me a boob. It's like, that's basically what the prayer is. 
Send me an unlimited supply of milk. Just a boob or a boob with a milk in it? Two boobs. Endless supplies of milk. Someone to hold me. And it's like, if that prayer was answered, you would be a baby for your entire life. Giving me the milk and receiving the milk is the beginning of the journey into the wrong direction. Give me the capability to reach for the milk. At a certain point, you pray that prayer as a baby, but if you keep praying that same prayer and it keeps coming true, if you pray to yourself and you answer yourself, you keep becoming addicted to this situation in which it's stopping the possibility of your growth. And I think that's partly what I'm saying is that I'm coming to this awareness that for many years I was praying for things without meaning to that were inhibiting my growth. And I was praying amiss in that way because the true prayers will be the ones that lead you closer to God, which is life. The true prayers will always lead you to movement if they're true. We shouldn't be praying for things that will lead to our death. But remember my prayer is to keep me away from getting bored. Exactly. That's where the whole thing comes. See, repetition brings weariness. Yes. No matter what. Yes. Without challenge means without growth. As a baby, sure, get the milk. But then afterwards, the prayer should be, throw me into the woods. Let me learn how to hunt. Let me face the fearsome beast so that I can overcome it. If I don't have a challenge, I would repeat what I did before. Challenge makes me do something different. Yes. Because i got to face something different. Yes. So the challenge by itself develops adjustment. Challenge by itself takes us away from weariness. This is a hard thing to say because it's so outside of our culture. You know, we're culturally embedded in this idea of the consumerism mindset. That's why we call it wisdom of madness. Exactly. Because our culture calls what we're talking about madness. But it's these madnesses that makes things happen. <laughs> yeah. It's these not rational thing outside the boundary ideas that is creative, not the ones which are within the limitations. Exactly. And going back to this idea of the prayer, if we're taking it away from a religious context and we're just thinking about it as this thing that we keep asking of ourselves, this thing, this desire that we keep putting out there, I think a lot of times, without meaning to, I was asking for a situation to continue that wasn't the best for my growth. It was very, very wise, I think, one of the wisest things that Jesus prayed the night before he got crucified. He knew it was about to happen, and he says, hey, look, I don't want this to happen. This is not exciting to me. I didn't sign up for this necessarily. Nevertheless, thy will and not mine be done. And I think it's a really kind of a powerful hinge to put on these desires that we have. Sure, put forth our best desire. He was talking to this idea of a God that was for life, that was the advocate of life, that was the advocate of love, that was the embodiment of love. And so say, hey, this is the best that I know right now. This is what I'm thinking. And yet, what I really want more than anything else is to be a part of life. I want to be a part of the movement, the eternal movement, the unending movement of love. That's what I really want. So I think this is going to get me there, but if it's not, cancel that and go back to this. Sufis use the word soul. They call it flow. Flow. The word is ravan, means flow. And ravana means to be in the flow. Being in the flow means not repeating anything of the past. 
So there is no boring moment mm. because you're not repeating anything. Whether it's positive or negative, everything is exciting. It's the first time, so it's exciting. Whether you get frightened or you enjoy, but in both cases, it's exciting. Life has got to deal with exciting stuff. Yes. And exciting stuff becomes joyful when there is difference. The sea is beautiful because of the waves and the way they recede and come back. Life needs challenges and prayer should be towards God. Give me the power to face my challenges. Instead of make me rich, ask God to give you the power to overcome your needy conditions. You need the power to do that, not somebody giving you that. When you get the power to do something, you create. When you get it from somebody, you consume. Exactly. Confucius says, the one who says, I can, and the one who says, I can't, they are both right. And I think that tells you the whole thing. Exactly. It's all within our own capability to face that. And in order to develop the capability, we need to face challenges. There's a very common spike when people pray the most, and it's when it's their absolute last resort. They have nothing else. They've tried everything else. They've asked their friends. They've asked this. They've done all of it. And then all of a sudden, they get really interested in praying. <laughs> to me, when I was thinking about that, I was like, that's just indicative of how little self-love we're taught in the cultures. That the very last thing we'll do is ask our own body to be different than it was, ask our own spirit to rise up, ask our own soul to step in We'll say, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me, doctor? Can you help me, lawyer? Can you? All of these things, very last one we will trust in is our own capabilities. And I think this stage I'm moving into right now, I just feel more and more free from the language of the past. And it's just so easy to get stuck inside of it and so easy to lose yourself in that. We don't realize that when something is attached to me, that thing is also trying to stay with me. It's not just me who wants to keep it with me. Drumi says, the one that I was looking for, I didn't realize that was looking for me. The attachment, which is what stops us, is the fear of losing. When we get to recognize that, look, if I lost, I can have it replaced. Our nature is developed for going on a quest. And the quest means to... Break away from attaching yourself Always. to things. Otherwise, you cannot find anything. Maybe we shouldn't even use the word prayer. Maybe we should call it something that people know. This is not about religious activities of talking to God. It's about us recognizing that God is within me and I'm talking to myself. We begin to recognize that, look, if God is within me, then I am God. And if I'm God, I'm creative. Did God buy something from some stores or something, or did he make them all? So if we're God, then let's act like one. Maybe we won't be successful the first day, but it took God six days. God could have created it in one second. 
that metaphor obviously goes back to our last week's conversation about it takes time for blood to turn into milk. Prayer would help turn in the blood into milk. Something else that Jerry used to say too that I really loved is pray for a good life, then live the life you have prayed for. It's this whole concept of the request and the answer to the request are both completely self-contained. There's something really powerful about the agency of that, that it's a hard thing to step into. That power to decide what to see is a very rarely used power. We default to the settings that other people have told us what to see about almost everything. I think it's one of the most challenging things as an artist, but also the most powerful thing to be able to see the thing no one had ever seen before. This is an infinite universe. So if you're not seeing the thing that you want to see, it's because you're not looking in the right direction. Because in an infinite universe, you could see anything that you possibly wanted to see. That to me is the most godlike of all of the qualities, to look at all of it and then to decide what to pull from it, what to create from it, what to make from it. My hometown, Esfahan, had a mountain. And uh, when I was a child, I loved the peak of the mountain in the afternoon from my home. I was seeing the reflection of the sun on it. And there were uh, the faces that I could see on the peak of the mountain. And I, I was dying to reach for them and touch them. I wanted to climb the mountain and touch those faces that I was seeing from far away. As I got older, I began to go climbing that mountain with friends and every time try to get higher and higher. My whole goal was to reach up there. What for? I don't know. I just wanted to reach up there. Climbing the mountain and reaching that, what I wanted to reach, was the childhood power, that creative power that I was carrying with me. Many, many, many other people have had that and have dropped it. They haven't climbed the mountain to reach for the peak of it. So they decided, okay, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll become the consumer of it. But those who want to really reach the mountaintop become those who move the society. They're the ones who turn into artists, creators, explorers. Reaching for the mountaintop, touching the faces that they're not real. It's just the imagination. It changes with the sun as it moves. But that change with the sun as it was moving... Those dreams were the ones that were building within me to go reach that. I still do that. I still reach the mountaintop every time I'm in front of one of my canvases. I still want to reach those faces that I was seeing, and I still find them in my paintings subconsciously because that was something that developed through me. This was a longing that was constantly rebuilding itself. I still want to reach for touching the faces of the mountain. There is no boring condition involved. There is no consumership. If somebody came and gave me a picture of it or took me with a helicopter and put up there, the whole thing changes. I don't need a helicopter to go up there. Stop asking God to give you this. If you want something, it's the power that you need. Develop that power within you. Pray for that. Every day, as you wake up in the morning, pray for that. God, give me a challenge for today. Give me a new challenge. Don't give me problems. <laughs> Just give me a new challenge. 
Reminds me of that quote we were talking about. A ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are made for. And I think a lot of time it's like we pray for safety. We pray, dear Lord, please let me never leave the harbor. That's such a sad prayer to pray, you know, and I don't think we, we mean to pray that, but that's ultimately what it is. There's something of trust in that. I need the certain thing, I need to get it at the certain time, but there's something of faith to say, throw me into the wolves. Like David beautifully said, if I go up to the highest mountain, behold, you are there with me. If I go down to the lowest valley, behold, you are there with me. The deepest ocean, you're there. Even if I go to hell, you're there. That to me was the brilliance of him. And it, that same person who wrote that is the same person who faced the giant because he was aware of this deeper relationship inside of himself that was constantly happening, this communication, these hosts of, of angels, just representative metaphorically perhaps of the constant divine communication that's happening to us all the time saying, you are alive, you are powerful, you were given all of this in front of you to, to do whatever you would with it. I just become more and more entranced with the body, how beautiful it is, you know, how these hands can take an unlimited number of shapes, how they can pull from the earth around them and remake things and put them in new combinations. You with your hands that can do anything, you with your legs that can take you anywhere, you with your mouth that can communicate anything, you with your friends who would help you if you asked, you with your brain cells that can fire in all these different combinations, you with your creative gifts, you with your eyes, you with your heart and your lungs, with all of these things, you are smaller, you are weaker than this flimsy circumstance that's locked in time and is gonna come and go? No, clear the table, clear the canvas, rise up, face that giant and say, you will not defy me, not me. And when you come from that place, you're aligned with that energy of God. And what is an army against that? What is all the circumstances of the temporal world against that? That true godlike power can transform anything. The bullet fires, you turn it into a rose. And we can finish this conversation on a metaphoric image of you're sitting on top of a mountain, you suddenly notice that there's a lion about five feet away from you. At that point, the only thing you could do is to pray. Think about it. What would your prayer be? A lot of people's prayer would be, God, take that lion away, kill that lion. But what about praying that God give me the strength to face that lion? Believe in God, and God gives you that exact power to face the lion. And the moment you face the lion, lion is not going to jump that easily anymore. Because there's something about your energy as you're facing the lion that even the lion feels it. The Wisdom of Madness is produced by Rasuli, Jesh Durox, and Elizabeth Joy Windham. Our theme music is by Niklas Poshberg. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you know someone who would appreciate this podcast, we encourage you to share it, screenshot it, and airdrop it to your friends, family, and community. 